welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Lays with Beav, Troop Scout Leader Dustin, across from me. I am Denim Wall, the Troops Historian. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, aka Chief, runs with bins. We got another great episode coming at you this week. Let's start this one like we do the rest with the Straight Arrow Oath. Those of you in scout uniform, three finger salute. Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow never wonders what it would be like to drink a beer standing over there. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We matanya! We matanya! Beautiful. All right. The meeting has officially begun. Let's go over a little bit ep- episode info from our historian. So we are still on the second season. This is the 14th episode. Uh, it's entitled I Remember Mono. This is the 26th episode overall. It originally aired on February 8th, 1998. This would have been their Valentine's Day uh, corresponding episode. The synopsis is, as Valentine's Day approaches, Peggy uncovers a lie from Hank's past. This one's written by, this is just a classic. We're gonna, I mean, I'm going to keep saying that, but that's because these are the definition of classic King of the Hill teams. But we're back with Paul Lieberstein. Of course, we know everybody's episode is their first listening mm-hmm. here. So we'll remind you all that Paul Lieberstein is Toby from The Office. Sure is. And, Toby uh, Flanderson. Yeah, he's... We know him. He's written episodes before Luann's Saga, King of the King of the Ant Hill, How to Fire a Rifle Without Really Trying, and The Unbearable Blindness of Laying. Uh, this is his fifth of his total twelve writing credits for King of the Hill. Yeah, he's got some solid episodes under his belt. He does, and we're we're about halfway through his run of episodes here. I don't know what season he stuck around until, but we'll find that out. This directed by the main man himself, Wesley Archer. He's the supervising director for the entirety of the show's run, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. This is only his second episode that he gets full director credits on, though. The first one is uh, the pilot. He's worked on thirteen, all 13 seasons. He was a supervising director since day one, but he only has six episodes that he's directed himself. I don't know why that is. I wonder if maybe he has first selection, he only picks the ones he wants, or maybe... Mm-hmm. He I'm sure to... he's got a lot of stuff to do as well, so directing well, on top of it is... Probably tough. That's the thing. I wonder if his, <clears throat> I wonder if he gets picked for to direct episodes out of necessity, like they need somebody to clean up a mess, mm. or if he just wants to do these ones. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Be interesting to know. Totally. This one really felt like a pretty standard, like very King of the Hill-ish episode. Yeah. It's in good hands here with yeah. these two. I think it's a very, it shows. Um, and with his, with, we get his first director's intro. That he nice. has he inserted. Um, Remembering this, that they've been trying to one-up each other. And this one's great. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's so it's like a black and white grainy video. Uh, like, like footage, like mm-hmm. camera. But it's like old looking. It's almost like still image video. Oh, okay. And it's like a pig walking in black and white. Just mm-hmm. a pig walking. Like a silent film almost. Yeah. And it just has, feels so good playing in the background. <laughs> and then it has... Uh, I remember Mono just in bright pink letters in front of it. Nice. That's it. It's just a pig walking to Chuck Mangione. (laughs) 
Does the pig have a bow on it? No, nope, nothing. <laughs> nice. It's pretty awesome, yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll uh, that brings us right into the episode here. Absolutely. So we don't have a cold open in this episode. It opens right. straight into the song, and I kind of noticed something as um as I was writing my notes, and uh, so the episodes that don't have a cold open. They still open with Hank opening a cold one. Oh. So I maybe propose we have a new name for these. Maybe like <laughs> opens cold or something like that. I like that. Because it's still, this first thing is still a beer crack. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like after, our, after the song, after, our, after, our opens, after it opens cold, mm. where, where were we? After, yeah, after Hank opens cold. Uh, we see Bobby having breakfast or skipping out on breakfast uh, because he's got to work on his Valentine's Day card. And uh, Peggy's kind of concerned. She still wants him to get his vitamin A. So she requests he finishes the stick of butter at least. <laughs> and Bobby does. And uh, Hank uh, kind of looks over at Bobby. What's your right in there? You know, you got a, a, a Valentine's Day crush. And then he's just like, oh, I'm just working on a card for Joseph. And <laughs> it's like this pink frilly heart card. Uh, saying that he is, what was it, really cool? He's got a candy that says hot stuff. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, you can't give this to Joseph. Why not? He is hot stuff. You should see him skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And like, like Luann pops in and she announces to the family that uh, this year she's her own Valentine because Buckley told her he was going to forget Valentine's <laughs> Day again. So she doesn't just enter, she fishes the, the, the Valentine that Hank throws out into the garbage. Well, he's like, I'm just going to put this over yeah. here. And <laughs> what, what does he suggest the candy gives him? You're okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't want Bobby to be known as the sensitive kid. That, that'll stick with you. That sticks with you. So Luann obviously is trying to show her self-worth and saying that she loves herself. And Peggy and Hank are like, well, no, that's not really the best love of all. Like, no. You're not really getting it. And then uh, Peggy decides to share with Luann uh, the story of how her and Hank fell in love. Yeah, and I really like this as an intro to this episode because – we get the B and C plots right before we get our A. before we get our A plot, but both the B and C plots serve to like point our focus in that direction of like mm-hmm. the way that the different Hill residents view Valentine's Day or view love mm-hmm. like at that moment. I think it's really interesting. And yeah, so we go back to a story that well, I believe Peggy refers to it as the second greatest story uh, ever told. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess that must that's probably after Greece, right? I might maybe Greece too. That's probably the second it, yeah. story of all time. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, um but yeah, so yeah, we, we transition into that scene with a great little tune. Reminds me of a certain song. Okay. My school, West Arlen, was playing Hank School, Arlen High. So funny that you would mention about that song. I got a little, uh, in, I got some fun intro in, info here. I went ahead and I was scoping around on the DVDs for the special features. And one of the special features on the next disc uh, is about music inspired by the Hills. 
Wow. And so it just has like music videos for things like Manger Babies mm. and stuff like that, or like has like other like excerpts of just just the raw like the music, the the like three minute clips of just like the background music, like isolated. the score almost. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I and didn't know that existed. Yeah, no, me either. There's only maybe like five or six of them uh, for the whole season, and it credits who wrote them and composed them and everything. And this oh, one nice. is, it looks like this one was done by Chuck Mangione. Not just, like, it looks like it said he's credited, and it's called Hey There, Mr. Hill. Really? Or, yeah, or Hey, Mr. Hill or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just by, like, he just did it. That's so For King awesome. of the Hill, he redid the song yeah. in that. That's why it has, like, the guitar, the guitar. and the, like, kind of southerny. And that's why it continues throughout this episode because he did those. He did the music for the episode. Absolutely, so this, that's that's really fucking sweet. Isn't that that's awesome? awesome? Yeah. And it sounds like he re-recorded the flugelhorn too. Yeah. <laughs> really well done. Yeah, like I say, like I'm pretty sure because he, he's credited with it. So I yeah, guess well, it's he must gotta be, be him. It. And uh, I think we were right where that Peggy Hill song came from. Yeah. Directly from probably. King of the Hill. I wonder if they keep going. I wonder if they keep that relationship up because. I hope so. I mean, they got a great thing going. Yeah. It's great. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, so that's 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 that song. But uh, the flashback serves to tell us that Hank was sick when Peggy was supposed to be making Beef Wellington for him. Yeah. Um, some of the other guys, you know, their girlfriends are making them dinner. Oh. So. So you. Uh. Yeah, I was I was thinking maybe you could be making me dinner. Yeah, I could. That's a great idea. I could make you dinner. <laughs> is so is beef Wellington? Is that steak? Oh well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you, like you guys, your your dad was was born in the UK. You guys? No, know? he wasn't. But he, he wasn't? did he did move there when he was like three months old. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. You, you guys have never had beef Wellington? I'm not that fancy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No. I've never had it either. It sounds pretty fucking good it's like it's a preparation of a steak fillet it's coated in uh coated with pate and uh duxels duxels i don't know how to pronounce that but it's then wrapped in puff pastry and baked that sounds delicious yeah and it sounds fucking great it's like, it's the like duxel- a gourmet sausage roll yeah yes. pretty much but with like <laughs> like really like nice cuts of beef fuck yeah and the duxels is like like finely chopped like mushrooms and onions and like oh, okay. they coat it in that too and then wrap it in the pastry and like the history of it is is disputed quite often by very many people but like the general consensus is that the dish was created in celebration of the first duke of wellington arthur wellesley and his victory over those pesky french at the battle of waterloo <laughs> on june 18th Send 1815 him yeah he beat napoleon bonaparte yeah that little man uh, and you can do like different kinds of Wellingtons. Like you can do duck Wellington. I'm sure you could do like pork Wellington. I think they got Tony Tuesdays still <laughs> at the well. Yeah, right. It's uh, it's really good though. And like that uh, duck saw. I think you're right pronouncing it that way. It's kind of like kind of like a gravy. So it acts as like the the coated layer between the the puff pastry and the steak. Stick it all together. It's fucking. It's really good. They I, make it on Hell's Kitchen all the fucking time. <laughs> I would love to try that. Yeah, it's just expensive as shit and hard to make. We should give it a go one day. But also there's the vegetarian option, uh, <laughs> beet Wellington. <laughs> That's what my girlfriend will be making. <laughs> the flashback's so funny how 
awkward there with like amongst each other even though that peggy states they've been dating for six months already at this time and like they can't even like hank goes right up to talk to her when he sees her like in the softball team and then he just like can't even find words to say hi how's it going make me dinner yeah that's so weird like, like, like you imagine being like in high school and being like so uh you're gonna make me dinner on that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the other guys are doing it, so. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, and uh, we get the uh, introduction of Peggy's mom. Yeah, this is the first time in the series we meet uh, Peggy's mom. She's one of the characters in the show that kind of... It can't be. Isn't it? She showed her the Joy of Womanhood book. Oh, right. This is the first time not in a... Or I guess it is a flashback. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Second appearance, then. Um, she kind of changes throughout the series. Like, in the later season, she, like, kind of looks different, and... Uh, her and Peggy's relationship has changed drastically. But her name is Maddie Platter. She's voiced by Joanna Gleason, who's a Canadian actress and singer. Uh, she made her Broadway debut in uh, 1977 in a play called I Love My Wife. And she went on to star in many Broadway musicals and also a lot of film and television roles. Uh, Any relation to Jackie Gleason? Uh, I can't remember. Pow! Right in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> she was, yeah, she had roles in shows like Different Strokes, Boogie Nights, Friends, and she did eight episodes of King of the Hill. Uh, Joanna Gleason is the daughter of longtime Let's Make a Deal host, Monty Hall. Nice, yeah, and it's, uh, it's a cool little reminder that she exists because she's going to be important later. And I, I liked uh, how they kept with the theme of, uh, you know, Peggy's dedication to education. Do not say can't. You will not use contractions in this house. <laughs> I like that she has to say you will not <laughs> and do not say can't. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're back uh, out of the flashback in Back in the Hill residence. And this is when we get uh, kind of a flippant comment from Hank that is pretty serious, actually. You know, if I hadn't hurt my back that day, I would have known she couldn't cook. And then I would have been forced to not marry this little gal. Which is funny because Peggy's really upset about Hank's lie because their whole relationship was based on a lie now. But Peggy lied to Hank about her cooking, which would have been a game changer for Hank. So she lied to Hank and their marriage was based on a lie. I mean, yeah, but she also didn't make Beef Wellington for her. Every guy in the neighborhood. Oh, very true. <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> so after breakfast and the nice flashback that we have, um, we see Bobby and Joseph. I think they're on their way to school, and the mailman stops by, and I really like that he knows who Bobby is. He goes, hey, Bobby, got a package for you, and he drops it <laughs> off, and we find out later it's a box of chocolates, but it's from his secret admirer. At his first uh, thought, Whoa, who could it be? The only girl he ever talked to is Connie. I know. Hey, it could be Carrie's drug. At least I hope it's Carrie's drug. <laughs> I like Joseph just throwing a little bit of shade at him there. <laughs> the only girl you know is Connie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, sorry, there's a deleted scene like right as right before he opens or reads the card or whatever. He's just like, wow, a Christmas present on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and then uh, there's another further deleted scene. Uh, this one was actually in full animation. and I'm kind of sad that they cut it. It's just like one one line right after he says, like, it's from a secret admirer. I'm a stud. 
that's got to be what's going through his head. Yeah. Right? It's like, whoa, I'm a stud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, historian, can you tell us a little bit about Carrie Strug, please? Carrie Strug, yes. So um, she was a an American gymnast. She was she was in the 1996 uh, Summer Olympics. Uh, I don't know where they were, but Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, the one and only. That's right. Of course. So anyway, uh, she was, yeah, she was on home turf, I guess. And she was competing for gold medal and they, and her, she needed, from the thing I saw that like her teammates weren't doing so hot and neither was the competition though, but she went up there for one last and like, it was like a shoe in if she got a good run here. Yeah. She'd get like 9.4. Something like that. So yeah, what um, I guess her run previous had left her ankle a little. Yeah, she was limping. She coming was limping. Back she was after, hurt. Yeah. And then this next one fucking crumbled her, but she landed it and then like stumbled and then had to crawl mm-hmm. off and like her coach picked her up and it was super dramatic. And, oh yeah, and it was her teammates really, were crying. Really inspiring. Oh my god, yeah, because like she just kept going. <laughs> she's like. Standing before her second run, staring at like the uh, the horse that she's got to vault off of, and she knows that we're like she's got to make this to get the points, but she knows that she's gonna break her leg if she does it, and she still fucking goes. It's so inspirational. Also, in hindsight, she could have got zero, and they still would have won gold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really goes to show you could try as fucking hard as you like, but it just might never matter in the end. <laughs> like, uh, all be for nothing. Yeah. Right. But it's inspiring. So inspiring. She just kept going. And I kind of wish it was uh, Bobby's Secret Admirer because Peggy would have loved her. Wait, you mean it's not? I thought it must be. I mean, they were talking about her like two Two weeks weeks ago. ago. (laughs) She's got to be. It's actually her, though. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, she voice acts herself. That's actually herself voice acting Mm -hmm. in the scene later. Yeah. The reason I think Peggy would love her is because she grew up to be an elementary school teacher. They have the same haircut, too. Yeah, so I think they're they'd get along pretty yeah, good. They got the same haircut, no doubt. Uh, but I I think Peggy's feet might be the size of her whole thigh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a little she's, girl. She's yeah, four foot seven and eighty five pounds. <laughs> yeah, Peggy's feet are probably yeah bigger than her. But yeah, nothing like beating the Russians on home home turf. Uh, we for we forgot to mention that. Um, this episode, uh, Peggy is uh, substituting at the Arlen High School as uh, a bookkeeper, I think that's what she is, rec- rec- record keeper. Yeah, it looks like she's doing just, like, data input for, like, old, moving old papers into computers, it looks like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, she's entering in a bunch of codes uh, with another woman in the records office. I did think it was interesting because I know that Mike Judge is a big computer nerd. As in, like, computer nerd, as in, like, he did programming and, like, mm. he liked to make things with computers. Um, and so he obviously, like, had a lot and knows a lot about computers. And I did think it was interesting the few computers we see in this episode are kind of, they aren't just not, they aren't just, like, generic computers. They're, like, pretty legit, like, uh there, there, it was fun to see the like classic computers that clearly there was some care put into them. Oh, like in the design of them. Yeah. And honestly, the sound design, I really like the sound of keyboard clacking. Yeah. And the one that Peggy has, like when she's working on the computer, like it was just satisfying. Those were, yeah. The like the one she has in her little office. I think it reminds me of like those old like Commodores. 
And that would be like probably what Peggy might have in there because that would be old and outdated and like bought for multiple purposes. And Exactly. She's entering in data with Becky and Becky, of course, has a bit of a snoop to her and she finds Hank Hill's file. And Peggy resists for like five seconds and then caves and they start looking at what he uh, what he's done in the past years at school. One of the things was in grade four. He got kicked out of, or he refused to sing. All the pretty flowers. Uh, where have the flowers gone? Oh, where have the flowers gone? Um, I don't know if you know that song, or yeah. heard it. It talking heads, nothing but flowers. No, different. <laughs> nothing but flowers. No, it's no? different. No, it's like a old folk song. It's this written in a parking lot. No. 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 Okay. It was like uh, it's written in the 1950s by I think Pete Seeger. And he wrote, like, three verses, and it's kind of, like, uh, it's really repetitive. So it's, like, where have all the flowers gone? And only a few lines in the verses change. It says, where have all the flowers gone? Oh, the young girls have picked them all. Then the next verse is, like, well, where have all the young girls gone? And then it says, well, they all went and got husbands. And it's, like, okay, well, where have all the young men gone? It's, like, oh, they've gone into uniform. And it's, like, an anti-war song. And he kind of recorded it and forgot about it. And then he met up with, like, a a counselor a couple years later and he started singing it for his kids and then he added verses of well where have all the like soldiers gone and they've gone to the graves and it's like well where have all the graves gone um well they're covered by flowers and it's like okay well where are all the flowers gone and then it's a big cyclical song mm-hmm. and apparently it was huge it bought i mean it won a lot of awards and it's really well known but i'm pretty sure hank just didn't want to sing it because it's anti-war okay and his dad served in vietnam <laughs> yeah at the time, it was uh, yeah, exactly. So I think that's why he got kicked out. Makes sense. Yeah, or didn't want to sing it at least. Still seems like a ballsy song to be making Texas kids sing in the in the sixties. When do we figure he was in like grade four? Probably sixties. Yeah, probably around then. Probably when this song was you know, very fucking popular. It's interesting. I just assumed that it was like just it had flowers in the title, and Hank yeah. was like, "No, I'm not. I don't want anything to do with that." I laughed out loud when uh, the other one of the, the marks on Hank's personal record <laughs> tells the debate team to shut up. To <laughs> shut the hell up? <laughs> yeah, that's the most annoying team you can be a part of, I think. But Peggy finds out again in grade the 12th grade, senior year, that uh, Hank was out for two weeks with Mono. And it started on Valentine's Day, and Peggy's like, well, he told me he pulled tendons in his back. Must be lying. And he and she comes home, and we see Hank and Dale. Just having a casual conversation. <laughs> hey, Hank, do you ever wonder what it'd be like to drink beer standing over there? Curiosity killed the cat, Dale. <laughs> I love it. It's a great theme for the episode also. <laughs> Could you wonder if something was just slightly different that doesn't matter? Like, yeah, right? curiosity killed the cat, Dale. Yeah. Uh, I like it because we get this next scene is, is Peggy confronting Hank um, about about his injury. Because what, what does she say? I've been looking at your high school record. He says, it's a good thing to be thinking about. <laughs> no, I've been thinking about your football. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great thing to be yeah. thinking about. Um, <laughs> I like how he thinks it's just harmless. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, so she's getting uh, she's getting onto the trail, and she confronts him about saying, like, you had mono in the fourth grade or in the 12th grade. Yeah. In the 11th grade. Uh, and we are kind of led to believe that there is definitely something else that's going on 
because while they're talking, Dale even pipes up and tries to deflect her the other way, saying, like, oh, don't listen to anything Becky says. She's a fucking... Well, no, it wasn't Becky because it was the school nurse. Oh, yeah. She talked yeah. to school nurse, and the mm-hmm. school nurse gave her some bad information that you could not get mono from sharing a soda pot with somebody, which you 100% can do. <laughs> That's a very easy way. There's saliva yeah. on that. Yeah, That's how you're going to get mono. Um, I think it's funny because actually there's a deleted scene here where um, mono... So Hank tries to correct Peggy about mono, says that she's misunderstanding it, mm-hmm. and it's like, mono means hands in Spanish. You should know this. Uh, <laughs> and I want to remember the time we had the flashback where she said mono, mono a mono, mono when she wanted to go have Bobby, Hank talk to Bobby. Man to man. Yeah, yeah. And he said, she said hand to hand. Yeah, like they're going to fight. <laughs> in this deleted scene, they were calling that back to that, mm-hmm. I think, a little. But I thought like, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is sweet. Uh, yeah, there's there's some really good deleted scenes in this one. But that was, yeah, that was one I thought was was really good. But yeah, then, uh, of course, Dale says, oh, don't listen to the nurse. Mm-hmm. Because she's glug, glug, glug. And then with his other hand, drinks his own beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but uh, Peggy turns around and walks inside. And then we get kind of a shot of the boys afterwards, leading us to believe that Hank had done some uh, risky business, and the boys know about it because Dale immediately says, She's on the trail. She's going to find out. No, she's not, unless you let something slip. I don't let things slip, Hank. I place information. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. Does Dale actually know the story? Does Dale just know that there's something to know and he doesn't want to let on that he doesn't actually know? I feel like they were best friends in high school. I'm sure Hank would have told him. If Dale already knows that there was something up with that Valentine's Day mono issue. Um, but so I think Dale knows. Okay. I think probably Boomhauer and Bill know too. Yeah, doesn't Bill. Oh, no, that's a deleted scene too. Where Bill comes up right after this and oh, he's okay. just like, oh, what are you guys talking about? And then Dale just tells him. Oh, that Hank had mono? Yeah. Or that Hank that that Hank lied to Peggy about having mono, oh, which is exactly what Peggy had said. Mm-hmm. So P- Dale in the deleted scene doesn't divulge more information than he had just learned. Got you. But is deleted scene. Fair enough. So it's not canon. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah, like how he con- like confided in Dale back in the day, and like Dale's like worried, nervous tone, like like rattling in his voice, where like she's gonna find out. Yeah. <laughs> like Dale's probably been thinking about it every yeah. now and then. After this scene, we're back at Tom Landry Middle School, and Bobby is sitting in the middle of his class eating his uh, his gift from his secret admirer. <laughs> we found out it's a box of chocolates. He wouldn't share. No, and yeah, he wouldn't. He under normal circumstances, he he would have shared, but they were from his <laughs> secret admirer. And there's like other kids are asking him about him, and they're like, yeah, "That's so funny." You know what's <laughs> yeah, funny? We were just talking about Carrie Strug like two days ago. Remember? Now I get this Valentine. It's probably from Carrie Strug. <laughs> probably. I just love the like the the connection there. It's like yeah, all like probably from Carrie Strug, like. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sure, like, Bobby didn't even mention that to him. And it's just the kid coming up with it himself. No, I think Bobby's going around telling everybody. Oh, you think so? Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) There's no way that every kid is assuming that Bobby got uh, Carrie Strug. They were just talking about her, so I don't know. Fair enough. Maybe every kid thought 
their secret <laughs> admirer was Gary Strug that year. Everybody hoped, at least. But, yeah, we get um, Connie just not happy about this. Connie's not very impressed by uh, by Carrie Strug. She doesn't even play violin. She just does gymnastics. She's probably 30. They don't tell you that. Yeah, no, nobody knows that. You're missing the point, Connie. She had a broken leg, and and she just kept going. <laughs> and Bobby stares at the uh, the American flag hanging yeah, in the classroom and get gets the, all patriotic. The Star Spangled Banner just starts playing while Connie walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connie leaves, and then one of the other kids is like, hey, I think Connie likes you. And Bobby's like... Well, once one girl likes you, it's kind of like having a ring on your finger. Oh, yeah. Like, that's verbatim got to be a quote from Cotton. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, like, Bobby, like, I love how he, like, he didn't flinch or even, like, think for a second. He just, like, yep. It totally sounded like Cotton when he was, like, she just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> like, how they, they put that in with the kids, uh, like, being just, like, naive children and, like, uh, in the episode with the caves and Bobby and Joseph are talking about who which one Connie likes and Joseph's like well you know women like to have their cake and eat it too it's like they pick up these little sayings and I like that the the show puts them in it's exactly well yeah I do think that yeah if you look at these characters like the things that created them as people are like they make sense as we watch these episodes they're just like yeah they they pick up their surroundings and they feel like their parents children yeah just like Mike Judge I guess says about like his characters that they just feel like real char- real children where other shows don't. Definitely, these characters feel very real. And But now we're going to go to Peggy. She's back with Becky in their little data room. Yeah, and uh, she's finding out more about who else had mono that same week. Well, first she says she's given Hank the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. She's going to say... The soda story. What other guys in the team? Mm-hmm. Who else could have had... Mono on the team. And Becky's one step ahead of that. Unless Amy Edlin played on the football team. No football players had mono that week. Yeah, and then Peggy slips in this devastating blow, which I didn't catch until the second time I watched it. So the whore played well with others, did she? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like they go back. Sounds like they go way back. Oh, yeah. So now does immediately Peggy goes to track her down? No, immediately Peggy's at Tea and Texas Toast, Nancy Gribble. And uh, it's awesome name for a, like, cafe. Tea and Texas Toast. I remember when, Tex- like, I don't know if Texas Toast was just suddenly a thing or if we just suddenly started getting it. But there was a short few years there where our mother started buying Texas Toast. Mm. And that was the best. Fucking Texas Toast was great. Wonder Bread, it's like, toast. it's basically just like two pieces of Wonder Bread. Dude, you cut a hole in that and you crack an egg in there. It, Ooh, it's fuck. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Texas Toast. Double thick for sure. Yeah. Texas Toast is the way to go. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they probably still have it in Texas, but I haven't seen it in forever anymore. Yeah. I guess we just don't live with our mother anymore. I don't think she buys it anymore. I bet you she doesn't because we don't live with her. Everybody's scared of gluten. No more Texas Toast. Yeah, I know. What's going on with that? <laughs> but anyway... So I love Nancy's just like, she's old hat at this. She knows oh, yeah. these lies. Well, and, she's been living them her whole life. Yeah. And she's just like, <laughs> and so she's hearing that the girl that Amy drank a soda, put it down on the bench another, another by another player. Hank thought it was that boy's soda. 
Yeah. And she's buying this story. Yeah, and Nancy uses a nice line of, why don't you uh, cover yourself up in that lie like a blanket and if it helps you sleep at night or something like that. Yeah, truth is like sunlight. People used to think it was good for you. <laughs> yeah, because Nancy's like, you know, going against what Peggy, I think, wants to hear. But Peggy also tells Nancy that she pretended to be a telemarketer and phoned Amy yeah. Edlin <laughs> and found out where she worked. So Peggy's doing some real sleuthing in this issue is obviously like weighing on her head and like super it's weighing on her huge and nancy just doesn't care and nancy says that the truth is bad well i think nancy does care but nancy's like don't be delusional but just like get over it she's kind of the voice of truth in this situation like by peggy going to find out what the real story is you know it doesn't necessarily do her any good to know the truth um yeah, she can't forget that she doesn't know the truth, mm-hmm. and that's her problem. But, like, Nancy is being realistic by saying, like, hey, you go digging, you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. Which is true, but, and the thing, yeah, like, Peggy's got to find out or else she won't have any closure and it'll bug her forever and it'll drive them apart. Right, yeah. Even if it's just the smallest thing. So that's that's the main driver of our plot A. Is Peggy's desire for the truth, and I was just thinking as you were saying before you were saying that I was just thinking about man that plot B is kind of I really like how they swap back and forth here, because we're gonna go straight to Bobby and Joseph. Yeah, like it's like okay plot A like huge point. Yeah, and now we gotta go check out what's going on with Poppy. It balances nicely. Yeah, Not a whole it, lot of Luann, but this B plot is, is well. Quite, she's a C. She's just a running joke throughout. She is. She's a good one though. That's a perfect C plot. Yeah. Yeah, that brings us to Bobby and Joseph at the mall, and I think Bobby's there to buy a gift for uh, for who he thinks is Carrie Strug, his uh, his secret admirer. And uh, Bobby says something that is just hilarious. I f- I love it. What do you want to get her? Something romantic and frilly, like the wife of a magician would wear. And I love- it's frilly and romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like then that he just instantly starts having his having like a dream sequence. Yeah. Weird fantasy where he's like in like a gymnastic leotard, like doing gymnastics with Carrie Strug, and then she takes off her gold medal, gives it to him, after and it's, <laughs> and it's chocolate. But after saying, "It is compulsory for me to be your Valentine," <laughs> <laughs> it's just a perfect line, and she says it so well and eloquently. Uh, but Bobby, he looks like Grimace, like the he's in the purple leotard and yeah. he's got the tiny little legs and it's like a like a jelly bean with sticks on it. I like it, and even all of the like mannequins and prosthetic heads that are laying around in that lingerie <laughs> store aren't enough to make him feel comfortable the second he's approached by one female employee. <laughs> <laughs> he just him and Joseph just turn tail and run. Yeah. yeah, the one woman working there comes around the corner and says, hi, can I help you guys? And they just, blah, and they run. <laughs> they, I don't know what they're doing in there anyway or if they had enough money to buy anything yeah. from that store. So we checked in with our B-plot, and now it's back to our A, the driving factor, and Peggy's driving to Pink and White uh, to go confront Amy. And we get a little shot of what Amy's doing before Peggy gets there, and she is sampling uh, sausage, which are tiny little sausages with ostrich meat with a little turkey. And uh, she has this uh, customer that's walking by with a shopping cart. She offers him a sample, and he's like, oh, no, my wife wouldn't like that if I spoiled my dinner. And then we get to see her kind of, you know, what your wife doesn't know won't hurt her kind of thing. And she sells him on taking a little sausage. And uh, we get this, like, kind of lustful music playing, kind of showing that she's uh, 
bit of a saucy one. And Peggy comes walking up and she offers Peggy a sausage. Care to try a sausage? No, thank you. What I'm here for does not fit on a toothpick and it certainly is not made of ostrich meat. It is called the truth. All right. There is some turkey in it. Yes, I assume that. Try sausage. Yeah, I, I think it would be lean and it would be salty and I would like it. I wonder, is ostrich any good? I can't imagine it being good, but you can't? it probably is. It's just like a big chicken. What was the, the deli version too? Strustimi or something? Oh, uh, uh, Sastrami? Sastrami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't that know. sounds good. But yeah, this is us. We're finally meeting uh, Amy, Amy Edlin, who uh, she's voiced by Jennifer Jason Lee, who's an American actress who got her breakthrough role in the 1982 film Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hey, that's a good movie. As Stacey Hamilton. Uh, she went on to have feature roles in films like Miami Blues, Last, Ex- Last Exit to Brooklyn, Backdraft, Single White Female, and uh, The Hateful Eight. Uh, she currently stars in the Netflix series Atypical. So she's like probably the only woman in Hateful Eight. Yeah, uh, I think she got nom- nominated for a bunch of awards for it. So, yeah, we get Amy's. Amy says, well, Peg, let's go sit down and takes her into the back room where she's just going to lay her down and say, you know, her boyfriend just broke up with her. It was Valentine's Day. She was out. Could have been anybody. She tucked her pant leg into her chain of her bike and got the next unsuspecting man to walk by and help her out literally anyone literally like, anybody and, and it happened to be Hank. too bad it wasn't bill <laughs> right yeah. that could have been beautiful yeah. for bill hey bill was still cool at this point so he was he was doing good <laughs> yeah. but oh no, yeah like she uh she fakes her little uh accident there and hank rushes over to help her and she says that her boyfriend just died in Vietnam or whatever, and Hank's like, you're really brave to bicycle in the same <laughs> In your condition, yeah. And then she just reaches in and steals a smooch from him, and he's like, well, I have a girlfriend. She lays her sausage line on him again. Yeah. And, uh, the, and then in a deleted scene right after, after she kisses him, he reaches down and picks up a little boy's soda and just drinks the soda <laughs> to wash out his mouth. <laughs> They took it out, but I thought that was funny. Great. You know, it still could have been from a soda. Because yeah. <laughs> that soda can plays such a huge role in their argument. Right? But uh, I like the way that uh, Amy does this. Like, they, she takes her in the back, she sits her down, and she just gives it to her right away straight. Because, like, I feel like if there's that situation nowadays, people just aren't that uh, mature about that kind of shit. I feel like they just end up fighting, you know? I mean, if it was something that had happened, like, a while ago. while ago. (laughs) But, I mean, like, I feel like for Peggy to be this upset about this, yeah, this is the the way that lady has to take it. Because she has to be like, look, Mm -hmm. it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it was 20 years ago. This is what happened. Sorry that you're upset Mm -hmm. about it. And... Move on. It's not like, hey, sorry, I ruined your life. This is what happened. And, 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 and... You know, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, totally. It is a different. It's different because they really didn't do anything. No, it's nothing really. And uh, I like that for a second you believe like Peggy's just like, oh, it was nothing. But then she gets up and she breaks three ribs in a nearby uh, hanging. What is it? Pig carcass? I guess. Or beef? Side of beef. It is yeah. a side of beef. <laughs> you break it, you buy it. Yeah, like I don't know what Peggy was so mad about because like 
especially in that flashback, like Amy was way more attractive than Peggy, and it's like <laughs> Peg did everything he could to fight her off, and like he yeah. picked Peggy ultimately. Well, you're gonna pick a floozy who just wants to make out with you after you had to take her bell bottom out of a bike chain. Well, I don't know, man. Peggy kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and man. He never. Nobody cook. tried Amy's cooking. And I like uh, when Peggy's leaving. And Amy's like, this isn't going to, you know, make you feel any better, but here's a coupon for 30 cents off of your next sausage purchase. <laughs> now, I can't remember if we mentioned it or not, but as Peggy's leaving Pink and White, she uh, screams and punches this hanging uh, side of beef as hard as she can and then walks towards Amy and wipes her hands on, on Amy's uh, apron. Apron. Such a power move. Oh, just flexing. <laughs> but uh, now we're back at the Hill House, and um, Peggy once again is confronting Hank. And I love Hank's, like, first rebuttal, where he's just like, I spent most of high school working on my offense. <laughs> I had no defense. <laughs> that got me thinking, and it's very accurate. Like, I wouldn't know what to do either if I was to say no to that. I'm not sure how. <laughs> No, you can't prepare for that. <laughs> like, that's the situation, too, that scenario. But after uh, Hank, he gives his excuse, and Peggy, like, Peggy's not not really accepting it, but Hank thinks that that's enough for him to just admit, finally, that he lied. And it's weighed off of his shoulders. Yeah, he feels good. He's never felt closer to her. And she turns away and says, well, I don't feel close to you. And Peggy is absolutely upset because now she's basically saying that he's been lying for thousands of days. Uh, and I did the math. It checks out. Thousands of days. 20 years of marriage. And Peggy's devastated. And she says this is, uh, this is not enough. And she just lets herself go. <laughs> she has nothing to live for now because their whole marriage was based on a lie. Yeah. I and mean, all what she was doing before was trying to impress then. <sighs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, like, because she's so upset because she loved this story for some reason. Like, you know, she loved telling people to it and, like, loved thinking that that's how they really started. Because, I mean, two weeks after that phone call that they had, they were engaged to be engaged. <laughs> a promise ring. That's correct. Um, and then we take a little look at our B and C plot kind of intertwining again. When out in the garage... Uh, Luann and Bobby got their goggles on and they're cutting through a big side of beef. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, they just got like the uh, the buzz, like the saw going and uh, they're uh, just chopping away at it as they discuss love and Valentine's Day and Bobby's leading the conversation uh, and Luann... She's so excited about Bobby's secret admirer and oh, that like, yeah. as she wishes that Bobby, that she had somebody that loved her like Bobby did. And Bobby's like, are you even listening to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bobby's giving Luann the rundown of what to do when Carrie shows up. And it's, I think it's invite her in, offer her a drink, I think, was another part of it. And yeah, it just continues the idea of Luann being a hopeless romantic on Valentine's Day and just misunderstanding everything and just trying to make it all the most romantic possible. Um and then I guess like while they're cutting into a side yeah, of while beef with meat yeah. chunks going everywhere, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, and uh, it's gonna go bad if they don't get well, it in the freezer. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't get it in a full side there. No, not in that freezer. But yeah, no. So um, 
And then, yeah, we go next morning is just a pissed off peg and she's wearing her sweatpants, her hair with dinner jacket, yeah. her hair's a mess. She could not care less. She's not out making bacon. No. She's no making sausage. No, she's just sitting at the she's table. not even going to work. No. She's not even making sausage. No. She's real mad. <laughs> oh, she's pissed. And uh, But she makes sure she's packed Bobby big lunch. She makes sure Bobby knows it. She loves him very, very much. <laughs> she sends him off to work or off to school. And Hank then picks up his lunch, says, oh, I'm going to go gonna go now she's like whatever yeah. he's like i love you and she's just like okay yeah <laughs> and yeah they uh just he starts well he goes out into the alley later i guess this is, must be after but mm-hmm. he's now telling all the guys he's getting bill's perspective on it there's so many little things that women do that you just sort of take for granted and now peggy stopped doing all of them It's like she's just some mopey gal with big feet who lives in my house. (laughs) Bill would love a mopey gal with big feet living in his house. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. And it's not just women, Hank. Like, everybody's supposed to shower, and it's a little thing that we all do that we take for granted. (laughs) I think he was referring to his sausage. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Wife's pissed off, man loses his sausage. (laughs) Wife goes to work, man loses his sausage. (laughs) I think Bill might have one of the funniest things he's said so far in the series as Peggy walks out in her sweats and her, her, her plaid shirt to, uh, to put the garbage, the garbage out. Bill's like, oh, I didn't know Peggy's brother wasn't down. And Hank just bunches him as Hank's, Hank's face when he made that, that animation, I just love that animation of Hank punching Bill. Oh, yeah. It was so good. Yeah, oh, it was too funny. And then um, they're in the alley, and he's, he's talking with the guys. And there's not a lot of Boomhauer in this episode, but it's Dale is the one who uh, suggests that maybe Hank should start trying to win her back with uh, some romantic gestures. You got to do something that sweeps her off those big feet, Hank. Toss a little woo at her. See what sticks. I don't know. I used up all my good material winning Peggy over the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Boomhauer does have some suggestions for Hank. Tell you what, put that whipped cream on that plastic wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Boomhauer and Dale have uh, very different ideas what romantic gestures are. One of them is successful. Yeah, it sounds like Boomhauer introduces a little bit of food into the bedroom, but I'm not sure where the plastic wrap comes from. And I think it's just a mystery. You don't have to be a fool. What's that? Don't be a fool. Oh, wrap your tool? (laughs) (laughs) This whole scene, like this whole exchange from all the guys is actually so good. Like every single line they have is fucking hilarious. Dale brings up lethal weapon as a romantic gesture. Maybe you can steal something from a movie, like lethal weapon. Man, those two guys loved each other. It's, uh, sure. (laughs) I mean, that's not what I took from lethal weapon, but they don't not, that's for sure. This is another hint at Dale's tendencies that we seem to pick up on. I can't remember what Bill says, but I know he ends up crying. Uh, Bill, he suggests the... Yeah, the, I'll tell you something. I saw in the movie one time. See, this pig got loose in this couple's house, and they chased it around until they fell on top of each other, and they were laughing and giggling and <laughs> loving. <laughs> like, like, quick, he, Bill just reverts to like, his melancholy self, where he's just like so happy to start that sentence, and like, he's crying five seconds later. And the way he starts that sentence is just like, I remember something I saw in a movie one time. 
Because uh, that movie's hilarious. I don't it's, even know what movie, what movie it is. It was one of my favorite movies. Something about Mary? No. What is it? The movie with the, the pig in the house. It's cute. Dr. Doolittle. They run around. There's a pig in the house. It's just a running joke that the movie doesn't actually exist. I believe that that's what they intended, yeah. I do think that it's a joke that the movie doesn't exist. Oh, okay. But there is a movie. When I looked online, the only thing I could kind of find is a movie that stars Michael Palin um, from 1984 okay. called A Private Function. It's a British comedy. It's not romantic. Um, it's just like a private function. They just have a house uh, dinner party and the pig that they're going to serve just goes loose in the house. And Oh, they have it there live before they... Hijinks ensue. It. So, uh, it, uh, it's like because of food rationing in like okay. post-war Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, like I guess to have a pig like that a pig roast, like a pig meal like that was sort of a big deal. So yeah. I think they were trying to steal it and be like top secret about it all. Oh, okay. It's not a romantic comedy. It's just a Did anybody screwball fall British over comedy. on each other laughing? In the trailer, a lot of people fell over, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's British comedy. Yeah. So. It's pretty sophisticated. Yeah. They love laughing at people fall over. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's. Probably not the movie they're referencing. But it's the closest we can get. So Hank takes the guy's advice and he throws some woo at her and sees what sticks. So the first thing he tries is the classic uh, sidewalk situation where a woman needs to cross the street and you put your jacket over. Uh, Very admirable. Um, But Hank doesn't have that situation, so he tries to create it with a hose and the back porch. So he gets it wet and then he's got his jacket ready uh, and calls Peggy out. And he starts acting all proper. And he uh, lays the jacket down over the water before Peggy's about to step on it. Now you may pass unsoiled, mademoiselle. <laughs> if that's wooing, I don't know how he ever got Peggy. Uh, but she recognizes the jacket to be the one that he made her, and a gang stole it because it was the wrong color. Wrong colors. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, But he's obviously been hiding it in the closet and just busted it out. So she's just finding more and more lies. So that's fail number one. The whole thing's a fail. Like the stupidest, most fictional romantic gesture of all time. Is right? It, do you ever think putting a jacket in a puddle is going to make it better? It's, it, it's faster to walk around the puddle than it is to take off your jacket and put it on the floor and have them walk on top it's of it. so dumb. <laughs> and Hank's like, oh, look out for that rain puddle. <laughs> you clearly just sprayed the hose right there. Yeah, it's Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Lady Bird ends up laying on it at the end anyways. Right. So the next thing he tries is going up behind Peggy in the kitchen when she's doing dishes, which I was actually surprised to see her doing because I thought she wasn't going to be doing anything. Well, maybe they weren't Hank's dishes. I guess. Um, but he puts his ar- – or he covers her eyes from behind. Is like, guess who? And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> your hands have gasoline on them. My eyes are burning. <laughs> and then he just ignores it and starts doing a splash fight with her yeah. to help wash him out. And then he starts – and then she runs away and he just splashes himself. Like, this is great. Like <laughs> This is fun. Yeah, which, uh, again, very forced and awkward. And I would hate to have that happen to me if I was trying to do dishes. Or if I'm trying to be pissed off, yeah. You will, oh, if, oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like he just like he he's so like uh, like like he sneaks up on her and like you'd see her glasses like fall into the yeah. sink and then like 
it's gross, dirty sink water that he's just like, ha ah, ha, splashing yeah. onto his like <laughs> stomach. Is yeah, he's just he has good intentions, but he's just he's not uh, he's not a romantic. <laughs> he's in the deep end without water wings. Absolutely, very poor execution, Mister Hill. Uh, and finally, when she's working in her claw, I mean office. He surprises her with Bill's suggestion. I think you were right the first time. Oh, the closet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he comes in with a pig. A he little... tried last-ditch effort. Yeah, yeah, with a bow on it. And uh, I love it because it comes in, it scares her, obviously. She gets all messed up. And then Hank comes in, and he's just like, see what I got? Yeah, like, let's go play. Like, this is fun and romantic. I'll grab it, and you take the bow off of it. <laughs> and then we just hear in the background Bobby. Mom? Dad? There's a pig in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do something. (laughs) It doesn't even sound like he's, like, that concerned or anything. He's just, there's a pig here. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like he was, like, going to be like, Mom, Dad, there's a bee in the house. (laughs) It reminds me of the raccoons are back. (laughs) Yeah. That's later on that night. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But the pig trick doesn't really work on Peggy at first. Well. She's unhappy in the moment. She doesn't like that there's a pig in in her house. Yeah, she's pretty upset. And it sounds like it doesn't really go away. No. (laughs) It sticks around. Well, what are you going to do? You got to catch it. Well, yeah. You need need two people to catch it. One to grab it. One to take the bow off. 100%. Obviously. Yeah, duh. Is he going to try and catch the pig with Bobby? Bobby can't catch a pig. No. No. I mean, Luann definitely could, though. Oh, yeah. She seems to know what to do with a pig when she catches it. <laughs> she knows what she could do with it. Am I supposed to kill this pig? <laughs> Imagine just getting a pig in your house with no instruction and then assuming you got to kill it. So then I guess Bobby invites some friends over that night. Yeah, friends and Stuart Dooley. <laughs> well, yeah, why would you invite? I guess you got to show off to the bully. Say, yeah. check out my hot secret admirer. Of course. Well, if Carrie Strug's coming over. You want everybody to know. Yeah. yeah. But I love um, in the deleted scenes here, they're all so they all go to hide in the closet and wait for the uh, for the secret admirer. Don't put the laundry bag or don't play with the laundry basket or you'll suffocate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, in the deleted scenes, I believe this is the deleted scene, Joseph um, gives him some advice that only a 13 year old would really, <laughs> especially someone like Joseph. See, so he's like, when she shows up, you got to go in for the kiss immediately. If you wait even a second, she's going to know you're not experienced. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Candles lit. Yeah. He had that little Russian looking tracksuit on. <laughs> Bobby was. He's just one ketchup bottle away from getting lucky. Oh, yeah. I love that scene. And like. Those friends that he brought over, and they're like, where's Connie? I thought she'd want to see this. And it's like, Bobby, she likes you. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So all the kids are in position waiting for Carrie Strug to show up. Bobby's ready to greet Carrie Strug, and Luann comes up with his secret admirer at the door. His, grand- his grandmother. <laughs> And, of course, he is devastated and disappointed and embarrassed, and all his friends pop out of the closet laughing at him. Yeah. Your grandmother loves you. 
Stuart Dooley. It's so funny. Like she just grabs Bobby and like picks him up. She's like, "Oh, boo boo," and he's like, "No." <laughs> I mean, that is like expect me Valentine's night. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, come on, Grandma. Like, just say Valentine's. Yeah. Like. Yeah. No, that could have been executed a lot less yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> for the grandson. But we uh we head to the next day. And Peggy is, uh, this episode's weird. They have all these, like, side friends that you don't ever really see. Like, Bobby's got these other, like, group of kids that you don't ever really see. See, I don't know about that because I thought Peggy's friends were the same ones she was talking about the joys of womanhood with. Yeah, they were, they were the ones also from the pilot where they were gossiping in the Megalomart about, like, oh, that's that Hank Hill. No, her. I think it was the same one from the second episode, Square Peg, okay. where she's just like, anytime my husband crawls on me, I just close my eyes and think of those pretty flowers. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, uh, Debbie, you're you sad. You have a very sad life. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was that woman. I think it was her and, right. and yeah, whoever else. Right, and they're, they're playing Boggle, and Nancy's there too, and uh, Peggy begins to tell all of her friends about all of the, the poor attempts that Hank's made this week uh, trying to uh, romanticize her, trying to you know win her back on his side. And she starts out, uh, she has been for the last part of this episode, is super pissed off. And then she starts telling all the things that Hank attempted to do. And then said, since he was failing so miserably that it kind of ended up just being cute and romantic in its weird, like, offhanded way. And everyone's just like... They get all like into it, and they're like, "Hank did that," and yeah, and they were. But I like it because they're all laughing at Hank. None of the other girls are like, "Oh, Hank is being cute," sort of. And like, I like it the contrast when we just see the guys talk about it. All the guys are like, "Oh, I know exactly what you're doing wrong. You should listen to me. I know everything." And the women are all just like, "Oh, they don't know shit, and this is stupid." And we're like. Whatever, you know, like, they're, like, just, it's just a different mindset. I think it's pretty funny we get the contrast between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and you're right. Like, uh, what he does, it fails miserably, like, in person, and, like, I would probably feel uncomfortable, but it does sound way better on paper. And I think uh, her telling the story, uh, it reminded me of when you take your trips on the ferry because you like to just get those short novels that you can just read in one sitting. And that's what Nancy thinks that this story could be turned into. You know, you could write that story down, put Fabio on the cover, and sell it at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of you, Runza Bins. Fabio. Thanks for thinking of me when Fabio was mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, eventually, um, yeah, because it, it's one of those stories where it's just like, this sucks right now, but we're going to laugh about it at some point, but like in a romantic way, I guess, and... I'm kind of bummed out that one of the things that she describes we actually didn't get to see on on camera was when he, yeah, he drank a whole bottle of champagne and sang a Chuck Mangione song. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 that one? It is our song. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so then... Uh, before we go, before we finish that one, um, before we move too far away from the alley, there was actually a deleted scene in the alley that I kind of wanted just to bring up a little bit while we were talking about, um, we're talking about the guys, like, giving him advice and oh, stuff. Oh, totally. So this was a deleted scene from Dale, and he was trying to tell him, you know, he's like, you gotta be spontaneous, you gotta live in the moment, you gotta, you gotta confront the unknown, we gotta go over there and drink beer and see no. what it's like. Yeah, he's like, he didn't yeah, say he that. does. He's like, 
<laughs> we gotta go over there and drink beer. <laughs> gotta live in the now. <laughs> oh my god. I like that he's hanging on to that. That's, right? That's well, he awesome. really needs it's bothering him. That's that's the idea of what the biggest thing going on in Dale's life. <laughs> what would it be like to drink beer standing over there? The grass is always greener, Dale. It is. When we get back into the uh Kitchen with the girls. Yeah, she borrows Nancy's phone. Mm-hmm. To uh, call up Hank in bed in the other room. Is this is the first cell phone? Yeah, this is the first cell phone that we see in the I show. I was taking a... I was, it, it surprised me a me little. Me too. Me too. It surprised me a little. And what also surprised me is that all the girls left and Peggy still had Nancy's phone. I thought of that and I also thought it's 97 and cell phones kind of were like... Whatever. Well... I think cell phones were more like, I'm going to use this to phone somebody rather than somebody's going to use this to phone me. Got ya. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's not like she's just like, oh, I need this because I'm going to be in contact all the time. It's just a novelty. Got ya. But also probably they didn't want And I mean, it. they do live across the street. Like, they didn't want to write in the fact that Nancy had to come back and get the phone because that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Be but stupid. I still maybe think of that. Like I remember my dad having a cell phone in the late 90s. Oh, I like, think it was big. It was it was big, but it wasn't as big as the ones that we like laugh at. Oh yeah, but, but it was big. It was decent. Yeah. It looked a little bit like a walkie-talkie. It did. It, it had light-up numbers. It did, and the antenna didn't didn't go down. It, it was did not go down. Always there. Huge. Yeah, and it was thick. Yeah. Um, but Peggy calls Hank and introduces herself as Miss Platter, which I kind of was thrown off for a second. Then I just realized. I remembered, like, oh, yeah, it's her maiden name. She's trying to bring it all back to when they were 17 again and recreate their story. Yeah. And she's phoning Hank because Hank's in bed. We forgot to mention that when Hank released the pig in the house, that Ladybird started chasing it, and Hank got tripped up and fell and actually hurt his back this time. So Hank's fictional sore back is coming full circle. Now oh, it's Valentine's yeah. Day 20 years later, and he's actually laid out in bed again with a, with a sore back. Honestly, I had... Like, I guess I missed that, but I thought that it was because he was drunk. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I thought this was the champagne Trip Mangione bit that he uh, just like, I'm going to go have a lay down now because I'm loaded. <laughs> I need to sleep off this chuck. Yeah, I think it's a really quick line uh, when she's telling the girls all about the stuff that he did is when she mentions that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. And then she comes in and it's actually kind of cute. Like the... Uh, I, I felt less awkward listening to their second phone conversation than I did the first, uh, but they recreate it pretty well. And uh, I was kind of curious because I was kind of wondering if maybe, like in that time, I was wondering if Hank had like gone to like a hotel or gone to a friend's house to like, well, why do you need the cell phone? But I didn't realize it was for the play of yeah, that's exactly stranger. why. Yeah, yeah. I did. You know, I really liked this episode, and this final scene was good. But I definitely, when it went to black, I was like, oh, man, I kind of hope there's, like, a nice little ending here. And there is. Yeah. Very. <laughs> Get out of here. This is my room, you pig. <laughs> a pig in the house. It's crazy. It's fun. Come on, Bobby. Mother, do not lift the pig. Keep the pig on the ground. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, the whole episode, she's been with a saw and a side of beef. And it all makes sense. She knows what she's doing. She's got to gut this pig. <laughs> yeah. She'll do it, too. And this is playing while the, the credits are rolling out. And what I like about it the most is because Bobby's doing exactly what I imagined him doing when he would, like, holler to his mom and dad from down the hall, like, there's a pig in the house. Like, he's just sitting there with, like, a bowl of popcorn watching TV <laughs> as his grandma chases this, like, tiny little pig around the house. The way she says that. Yeah, like, it's, it, it's there's a pig in the house. Like, we need that clip. Like, that's awesome. I love it. And then that ends the episode. It does. And when the episode ends, it brings us to our final thoughts on said episode. Uh, yeah. Anybody got a driving desire to kick off the final thoughts? I mean, I can. I, 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 I really, really like this episode. I think it's one of the most heartfelt, one of the most meaningful one of the most like relationship building. Uh, I really love this episode, and it's hilarious. It has so many good jokes, memorable jokes, memorable lines, like good parts from lots of characters. I really, really like this episode. I think this is one of one of the one of my one of my more uh, favorite episodes of King of the Hill. Yeah, I I'd have to agree with you. I think this one is really well written. The plot was yeah. intricate. Like it was, but it, it kept it simple. Every scene had like a purpose and I like the diversity of all the scenes, like Peggy at work, find like, like the story is just, it's so thick with reality. Like the way that they shared school together, they set that up and then she went to the school, she found out like it was, it felt very natural. Um, and the, the emotions that Peggy would feel, feel natural too, of like a, a wife of that long and who's that dedicated to find out this lie, like everything made a lot of sense and it really made me like this episode a lot and you're right it is funny like the guys every time they were in it they were, i was killing myself bobby was great i Peggy love it some good ones luann was on fire like everybody was good in this episode oh, like, yeah. i loved it and so i would give it probably six or seven beef wellingtons that's a lot of beef wellingtons oh yeah yeah i haven't ever even had one i bet you you could finish two maybe but just to add a little bit to what you're saying before you pass it off just yeah. the I do think that like what these these scenes are good and this episode is good. It feels long, but I think it I think it feels long because the scenes themselves they 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 take a while to get where they're going, but they always land it mm -hmm. and it pushes the whole story in a in a such a complete way. Absolutely. I like it. Absolutely, it progresses yeah. really well. Miles, anything to add? Yeah, I agree with you guys. Uh I have no complaints about the episode. It was great. Um, even, you know, traditionally Peggy episodes aren't usually our favorite, but this one worked really well. For some, I feel like we say that every Peggy episode now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we do too. And I really enjoyed having, uh, like, I know it was only for a couple scenes, but just having Dale as, like, Hank's, like, sidekick confidant in this episode, like... I just loved that, how he, for some reason, trusted Dale <laughs> right? 20 years ago, and Dale's still been, like, stressing about it and planning <laughs> planning for this day. And, yeah, the, you know, the celebrities they brought in to do the, the voice acting, they were really good. And, yeah, it's I think it just speaks to the quality of season two. It's, like, it's getting harder and harder to find things that we don't like mm -hmm. about these episodes as we continue to move forward. Yeah, these guys really know how to tell these stories with these characters. They and really, they all know them. Like you said at the beginning, Denim, this is like the staple cast, and it was like the, the executive producer as the director. Like, this is one of those shows. The supervising director. Supervising director as the director. 
And this is just one of those shows that show when they want to fucking make a good show, they can. And it's yeah. this is a great example of that. And And I mean, yeah, part of it, too, is that these characters are so well defined that telling a story with them is I don't want to say it's easy organic it's organic For that's sure. a good word it's a better word and like like you mentioned earlier and how these characters kids are so strongly the offspring of these characters yeah. just with their own and like different influences it's uh, it's perfect it is, it's a good show so with that it's such a good show we should do a podcast about it <laughs> okay, I'm in. Can I get a round table? Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! Boy, I tell you what, Peggy, that's my favorite. Mm hmm. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what's the crap for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.